Uh, welcome inside the lab at Formula 4 Media. I am Bob McGee, and today I have the pleasure to speak with Guy, uh, the CEO of Profitect in Waltham, Massachusetts. He was previously Vice President of Sales and Strategy for Oracle's Value Chain Planning Solutions, and prior to that, he was the founder of Demantra US, a leading global provider of demand-driven planning solutions that was acquired by Oracle in 2006. Profitech's pres- prescriptive analytics utilizes pattern detection and machine learning to identify opportunities that impact sales and margin. Good afternoon, Guy, and uh, maybe first uh, you could just uh, say your last name since it's hard to pronounce. Yeah, I'm Guy Yechiav, but uh, well known as uh, just Guy. Well, let's start off our podcast with uh, first maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit more about what prescriptive analytics is and maybe what the biggest misconception about prescriptive analytics and also finally maybe the greatest benefit of prescriptive analytics. Absolutely. So, you know, with my background of 22 plus years experience supply chain applications, in the past, we used to build smart machines for, I would say, smart people, or the outcome of those smart machines used to be reports. Today, uh, especially in CPG and retail, but everywhere in any industry, you will have, you have people that are being drowned in different reports. The issue with that type of paradigm of reports is that when people read a report, they bring their own biases. Uh, they bring their own biases from how they understand numbers and, and processes. So if I'm coming from supply chain, I'm looking at it at an Excel spreadsheet totally different than someone coming from finance and accounting. And so because of that, I may understand things differently from the same report. And obviously, I will act differently based on that number. So prescriptive analytics makes it easier. It uses machine learning algorithms and patterns of behavior of the data in order to find what is working very well in the organization and then help you duplicate it by guiding other people, or it will find things that are not working very well, find the root cause of it, and then describe in plain language what was found in the data and prescribe the steps you need to take in order to increase sales and increase margin. Just like emails, just like text that everyone is using on a daily basis, this way people would understand it the same way across the organization rather than just rely on them interpreting an Excel spreadsheet or a table or even a very pretty graph of bubble charts with heat maps or whatever it is. Just tell them what they should know and what they should do and uh, believe me, they will act <laughs> the, the right way. You mentioned the misconception. I think that there's two major misconceptions. Number one, people still believe that it's too good of a story to be true. And for that, we actually have many, many customers that we, we have them on videos. We have them as references in order to tell the story because they are very excited about what, we, what we've done together. The second misconception is that because of all that comp- complexity in the back end, if you will, that simplify the front end, those implementation takes a lot of time. And that's a pure misconception. A lot of times we're speaking with customers that believe that, hey, because they have multiple data lakes and a lot of Excels and a lot of ERPs and legacy and new, that taking all of this data would take a while. And we bring huge retailers live in a matter of days. Uh, The longest so far that we had was about two and a half weeks, which if you look at any supply chain implementation uh, that is less than a month, it's, uh, it, it's very fast-paced. And so we have customers that took us a day and they were up and running. You know, how specifically can your company's services benefit a retailer? And does a retailer have to be a certain size to make prescriptive analytics cost-effective? And, and uh, finally, the third part of this question is, you know, are some retail segments today leaving money and margin on the table just because they're not using some sort of prescriptive analytics? 
No, great, great question, Bob. Uh, yeah, so I would, I would categorize those retailers, you know, three, three ways. Number one, I would, I would do it by size, and small, large, and average all should use prescriptive analytics of some sort. Uh, I would then segmentize them based on the analytic orientation. Do they have an analytical group like uh, under a chief analytics officer or under the CIO or under anyone? Yes or no. And and three, you know, how do their P&L work based on brick and mortar, e-commerce, etc.? And hopefully it's a blended P&L and not, not siloed. But I'll, so I'll answer first on the size. If you segmentize your retailers by size, as small as, you know, $100 million of a company, which is, which is, Pretty small for retail, believe it or not. Re- retailers are, are tend to be the larger of the organizations from an industry perspective. But as, as small as 100 million, we have small customers that have maybe 30 stores, some that are only online that makes about 100 million that using our tool. And so size doesn't really matter. Obviously, if they're too sm- if they're small then they don't need to use advanced analytics. They can just use Excel and communicate in the hallway and communicate by phone and email. So they, they, they don't have the complexity that prescriptive analytics is solving. But as soon as you hit the 100 million, you hit X amount of number of stores, DCs, or SKUs, then the complexity is there in order to use machines, smart machines, and, and prescriptive analytics to enable that growth, if you will. From an analytical perspective, if you do have an analytical team that today use, uh, you know, SAS, R Square, Python, writing code in Python and machine learning themselves, using visualization layers that are from great companies like Tableau, SAP Business Objects, VW, Click, Domo, and others, if they had those team where the question would then be, how do they communicate their findings with the different organizations? And what prescriptive analytics will help them do is, is, is two, two ways. Number one, will help and empower them to guide the machine, algor- machine learning algorithms and what we call pragmatic AI in order to find unknown unknowns, things that they are not aware that is occurring, and it will help them find things that they just don't have the scalability to do today. Uh, it will help also uh, find, you know, known unknowns, things that they know. For example, hey, I have a product that for some reason I anticipating the margins to be 50%, and I don't know why, but it's 18%. Can, can the machine go and find what's the root cause? Was it shipments between stores that I did too much? Was it a wrong allocation? Was it the shipment to the consumers on, on a, the same day delivery that cost me too much? Or what is it? On, or was it a multiple actions or multiple things that consume that margin. So, you know, known unknowns. And obviously, it will automate the known knowns, things that they know how to find, but it just every Monday they come in to find it. So number one, it will empower those analytical teams to find automatically known knowns, find unknown unknowns, and find unknown uh, known unknowns. Besides that, once it's finding it, it will help them communicate it with the other organizations, merchandisers, planning and allocations, financial strategies, uh, store operations, loss preventions, marketing. And uh, it has a full prescriptive analytics solution, especially ours, has the workflow capabilities that is embedded. So it's no, not, not longer enough just to find the anomaly or find the bad behavior that they want to stop or find the good behavior and try to replicate it. But it's essential to have a full workflow capabilities that takes you through the execution uh, step-by-step and training people on the job because of attrition, because of part-time type labor that is especially true in CPG and, and retail. You would like to make sure that the execution is flawless. So for those 
retailers that have analysts, they will empower them, one, and two, that will allow them to send those findings with very easy-to-follow prescriptions to all the other organizations. Now, for the retailers that doesn't have the power or have anecdotal analytics capabilities, let's say they have two anal- uh, uh, anal- analytics capabilities, uh, labor in, in store operation, or maybe they have it in loss prevention, but it's very silo. What it will do, number one, it will empower those silos, but two, it will create an extension uh, based on the machine learning and the pattern bank, what we call the pattern bank. They will be able to pick patterns of behavior from a library that will just empower the fields based on what the fi- it finds. And so it will identify, again, known knowns, known unknowns, and unknown unknowns based on a bank of capabilities that we have as a platform. And so both for resellers that have analytical teams and resellers that doesn't have analytical teams. And the same goes for CPG. I mean, in CPG, as one of our customers, Unilever, they have some fantastic analytical teams, but they don't have it everywhere. And when, when we empower the analytical teams at the account level salespeople, it just generates so much value for both their customers as well as their supply chain that it's just a no-brainer to implement those prescriptive analytics capabilities across the company. How do you think your company's services could benefit athletic wear retailers such as Foot Locker, Dick's Sporting Goods, Academy Sports and Outdoors down in Houston? You know, How could the PA help these retailers and improve their business? Absolutely. We, we have a lot of uh, fashion-oriented retailers, both sports as well as pure fashion. Seasonality is a big, big event. And especially in the sport-oriented retailers, you know, when your favorite team is winning a game, there's an immediate impulse buy, if you will. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm from Boston, so unfortunately, I, I did not have that pleasure after the last, the last big game here. But you have this impulse buy, and you're allocating, you're allocating it once. You're planning it once. It's an event. And then you do have the season as an event. So, you know, we have customers like Luxotica that includes Oakley and Lenscrofters and Sunglassad and others brand within Luxotica. We have customers like DSW that has footwear, all, all kind of, if you will, and they do bulk buys. And we have other like Abercrombie Fitch and Athena brands. Athena brand is Len Bryan and Dressbon and Justice and Ann Inc. and Ann Taylor and others. And so they all have different type of seasons. School seasons is critical for sports as well, as well as the, you know, in, in New England, you have the full four type of seasons uh, compared to in Florida, you only have certain seasons. So what we're helping with uh, our customers is uh, using clustering, automatic clustering of machine learning that looks at the specific behaviors of products and, and season and, and specific stores, including zip zone of uh, e-commerce. As I mentioned before, it is critical for retailers today to have PNL across the board by store or by zip code rather than an e-commerce business separate totally from brick and mortar. As as we all spoke about in the past, you know, you could see Amazon and the other pure play e-commerce buying more and more brick and mortar or expanding into it because the presence of person-to-person service is very, very unique. I mean, you know, even though REI is not a customer of ours, I love buying in REI because you have that specific service when you go hike, you can actually speak with someone, a person, about your hike specifically and, and get that amazing service. Well, so you need to be able so, to identify the right associates for the right season, for the right product, for the right service. And doing all of it is critical to do it across the board the same way. Prescriptive analytics will allow you to do that. Both fine-tuning planning, fine-tuning allocation, identify on-shelf availability at the right time that you need it, combat 
ghost inventory or phantom inventory, if you will. We help most of our customers increase inventory accuracy by more than 50% improvement. Actually, as a matter of fact, one of our fashion-oriented customers improved their on-hand accuracy from 63% to 92% within six months. And they did that without any RFID investment. And so you can only do that with a smart machine that then creates specific tasks in the field, in the DC and in the stores uh, that anyone anyone can, can follow. Certainly other stocks are a major issue. Well, finally today, I wanted to ask you, you know, how does the greater use of technology at brick-and-mortar retail impact prescriptive analytics? And will PA evolve and become increasingly important in the years ahead? Great questions. You know, retailers and CPG where the data collectors for many, many years, from the time that Zebra Technology, who is a great partner of ours, invented the barcode and the scanning ability, people start piling data on what people buy, when do they buy, consumption, inventory accuracy, et cetera, et cetera. So they, they are the, the prime initiator to be using prescriptive analytics because they're sitting on tons of data, but all of them are stuck in the paradigm of reporting. And as I said before, people understand reports differently. It, it's both brick and mortar and e-commerce needs to be able to move to prescriptive analytics and change the paradigm of just actionability across the organization. So across the operation, merchandise, and, 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 and others. As a matter of fact, I've been at the uh, latest Goldman Sachs banking, retail banking uh, conference in September. And when I was speaking with the, the audience there, as well as with the CEOs that came and present to the bankers, all the CEOs that were there up five, six years ago were talking about how bad returns are. Oh, returns are hitting our margin and they're bad, et cetera, et cetera. Well, this year, for the first time, you could hear them on stage talking about the fact that, hey, a return, it's a great opportunity to convert the client. So if someone buys online and then wants to return it in the store, well, they have this service component that when you return it, if you start asking questions, why do you return it, ma'am? Why do you return it, sir? Can I service you with a better product? Do you need a different type of product? And what they found out is that 70% of returns have been upsold and cross-sold to other type of products and services because they were visiting the brick and mortar. And so brick and mortars are definitely critical today more than ever before in a combination of an e-commerce and brick and mortar. Uh, there's a lot of articles and analysis on the fact that when a brick and mortar type stores, closing stores, it has a direct effect on their e-commerce sales as well. And so prescriptive analytics will help you combining that capabilities and enabling the people in the store, instead of analyzing reports, being able to service the customer when she comes to either return, ask a question, or when she comes to buy, based on all of the data that was accumulated and the machine learning algorithms and the predictability of when someone is coming and what needs to be on the shelf, uh, but instead of drowning them in reports, it will just give you a descriptive insight like an email and a prescriptive action that includes even a video that they need to follow through. And uh, this is how you service your customers much better. And I think the trend will be continue in 2018 and beyond to leverage what we call pragmatic artificial intelligence and prescriptive analytics better than ever before. I've been speaking with a guy, the CEO at uh, ProfitTech in Waltham, Massachusetts, and you've been listening to Inside the Lab at Formula 4 Media. This is Bob McGee.